the rural masses in India, fortunately, because we are a continuously lived civilization, the poor and the rural mass in India have always been uh, connected to heritage. You ask the rural people or the poorer people, they know Haldi, they know Chandan, they know sandalwood, they know what Tulsi can do for you, what Long can do for you. It is the probably the middle, the upper middle and uh, the richer class who had left or got uh, disfranchised through these long periods of enslavement, colonialism, and what have you, to actually move away from some of the core things that we have here. So this movement of our middle class, our upper middle class reclaiming heritage is important to showcase, not just because they are big people, et cetera, but because they have the potential to channelize this, to take it to now, develop enterprise and take it to a, a place where it can actually have social and economic impact. They can actually help create enterprises, organizations, which in turn can benefit the whole spectrum of people, not just in India, but also internationally. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's wonderful to be at Sangam Talks. And I would like to um, get straight uh, to the topic at hand and maybe through uh, my talk, make you um, uh, get a glimpse of uh, some of the things that I've been doing over the past uh, few years with my book and also my uh, uh, professional uh, journey would come through uh, the talk, I hope. So uh, going straight into... Uh, the subject at hand. Um, let me begin uh, with uh, uh, the New York's UNGA meeting in 2018. This was uh, the year where an Indian chef was invited to uh, curate a lineup of menu items for the Global Citizen Festival that happens on the sidelines of uh, this uh, UNGA meeting. The festival is all about music and art and uh, to reiterate the sustainable development goals that the UN has adopted. Zero hunger, uh, zero poverty, environment. Very global, uh, very positive. And our Indian chef, uh, to uh, show her commitment to this cause, took a bag of millets to cook dishes out of these humble coarse grains, as we call them in India, for the large gathering of people in New York's Central Park. These millets, uh, we know them uh, by different names in different regions. Uh, in the north, they are uh, Jawar, Bajra, Ragi, uh, different places have different names. And um, uh, they are uh, nutritious and uh, uh, have been a part of our food traditions in India. Before I go further and uh, talk a little more about it, to give you a glimpse of our humble grains at an international forum, I would like to share uh, this uh, picture with you, uh, which is uh, from that day in uh, New York. And uh, you can see that uh, this is uh, New York Central Park. You have the chef, Anahita Dhondi, and she has with her these dishes made out of Indian millets. I cover the story of these millets in my book, The Indic Quotient. The company which sources these millets, which she has used, uh, has uh, worked with small uh, landholding farmers and has worked 
extensively towards their welfare, not just from a sourcing point of view, but has followed ethical fair trade policies, has been working towards developing and working towards uh, the needs and the livelihood of these small farmers across India. The best part is that as the chef spoke about in her um, talks at uh, various uh, UNDP events uh, in that month of September in 2018, millets, which are indigenous to India, are packed with nutrition. They have the potential to counter hunger. They are environmentally friendly. They require one-tenth of the water required for growing rice. And of course, they are highly uh, sustainable in the sense that they do great for the people who are growing them because uh, they don't require so much of uh, pesticides and so much of uh, uh, extensive modern agricultural practices. So the more interesting part out of this all this is that uh, our grandmothers used it. Somehow, over the period of the Green Revolution, from the 60s onwards, we lost touch with these amazing grains. It fell out of our ecosystem, but it's coming back. It's coming back, not just with celebrity chefs like her, but coming back to our kitchens. And we all know, we've, I think somewhere started using a little bit of that ragi, a little bit of that buckwheat, something which was a part of our uh, uh, tradition, uh, which, which was sustained because of our tradition. And now it's coming back. There is another very interesting part, and that is that today we are putting these back into the government's initiatives are putting this back into the public distribution system in some pockets. So we have states where the midday meals, the ration system is taking these grains back to people. This is a matter of pride. And when I look at this picture, I'm sure all of you feel that pride, that an Indian uh, item from our heritage, something that's so integral to us, has the potential to lead the world, to establish that discourse on sustainability. But it also raises for me certain questions. And these questions are, why is it that something so valuable was forgotten? Something that was such, has such potential to help people fell by the wayside. And the second is what I wrote my book about. Is there a resurgence? Do we see a more confident Indian? Do we see a more confident India? Are we looking at people not just learning about these things, but also having the assertiveness and the confidence to present it to the world on their terms? So in the next 30 minutes today, I'm going to talk about through glimpses of uh, my book and various pictures I've taken through my travels about such people, about people who are putting in uh, their uh, time and effort in bringing these elements from our heritage to humanity. So it is something that's inspiring for all of us, and I hope it's going to be interesting for everybody today uh, to uh, begin. I will go to the start. And that is when I was growing up. Like most of us, when we were growing up and right till the late 90s, 
when we talked about heritage, when we talked about heritage, what came to our mind? And I can tell you that uh, through uh, the picture that I, uh, which I can conjure up in my mind, pretty much this was it. So you threw in some of these uh, old monuments of a certain kind. Uh, we'll not go there. But we also have um, some classical dance, some uh, obscure rituals. We have, uh, you know, some uh, puppet shows, etc. And that pretty much summed up heritage for us. Things have changed. Things have changed in the past seven and eight years. And you will agree with me when I show you the next couple of pictures. This is something we all know, International Day of Yoga, a huge push for soft power of India, something that we have been doing, uh, not just in our country on Rajpath on that day in June, but also you can see that picture in Sydney, where the whole world stands and bows towards what we revere, the sun god. And this is what is for us a changing perception of heritage. And we can go ahead and talk about other things. And I have some interesting things here. Uh, this is uh, Haldi Dood, now called Turmeric Latte in a lot of fancy restaurants across the world. The perception has changed. It's the same thing. We ha today have been able to, and I can tell you for sure, tell our kids to have that thing because it's served in these fancy restaurants. A huge acceptance for something that is core and is integral to our heritage. The next thing is a very interesting picture. And uh, the company here which makes these jackets, this is the Korean premier, Moon Jae. He's wearing uh, what we call uh, the Modi jacket, essentially the Indian bandhakala. The line of uh, jackets there in this picture is made by a company called Jade Blue. A very big uh, uh, push towards the uh, khadi. We are seeing the sales of khadi is growing, going through the roof. And this particular company is known not, not just for the, uh, the basic design, but the quality of stuff it makes. So we are looking at these kind of initiatives that are taking our heritage into its rightful position. And here, the last picture that I have uh, for you is a Bollywood actress endorsing Upton for a video for Harper's Bazaar, an international fashion magazine. When she talked about her skincare regimen, she didn't talk about a fancy French cosmetic brand. She talked about her mother's recipe of putting together some ingredients, some herbal ingredients to create something that was really good for her skin. This is uh, the other picture is of uh, Forest Essentials, which talks about luxurious Ayurveda. Now, I must point to you that Ashtang Hridayam, which is the core text of Ayurveda, has a series of what we call mukhlepa or face packs to be used in different seasons. And season to season, they change the ingredients. They give the process of using it. How do you apply it? How do you take it off? And I can bet you for all those who have visited the beauty parlor, men and women, the modern beauticians are following that practice for thousands of years. Something laid down in our text, Ashtang Hridayam. So our heritage is not just about 
uh, how it has been branded, um, maybe uh, through um, uh, the later part of our um, uh, independence and uh, through the whole industrial uh, uh, push towards uh, and the green revolution. It has these elements of beauty and grandeur and these elements of enterprise, which now I think we are all waking up to. So uh, moving ahead, I showed you pictures of uh, what you can say are global people, uh, celebrities. Uh, they are uh, people who are uh, in the upper class. But the reason I show these to you is because these, this was the class and these were the strata of people who were getting the most disenchanted or most delinked with heritage. The rural masses in India, fortunately, because we are a continuously lived civilization, the poor and the rural mass in India have always been uh, connected to heritage. You ask the rural people or the poorer people, they know Haldi, they know Chandan, they know Sandalwood, they know what Tulsi can do for you, what Long can do for you. It is the probably the middle, the upper middle and uh, the richer class who had left or got uh, disfranchised through these long periods of enslavement, colonialism, and what have you, to actually move away from some of the core things that we have here. So this movement of our middle class, our upper middle class reclaiming heritage is important to showcase, not just because they are big people, etc., but because they have the potential to channelize this, to take it to uh, develop enterprise and take it to uh, a place where it can actually have social and economic impact. They can actually help create enterprises, organizations, which in turn can benefit the whole spectrum of people, not just in India, but also internationally. And that is the reason I shared these pictures with you. Now, um, somehow um, in my uh, travels across India, I saw that, uh, of course, there was this uh, extreme, which was the poorer and the underprivileged who are so self-assured about heritage. And then we had the other extreme of uh, uh, English-educated, westernized urban people. But what I thought, saw was a coming together where people use their strengths and those, both of these sides have their incredible strengths to come together and create something that's mutually beneficial and can serve everybody. In the next set of pictures, I'll take you through uh, my travel journey while writing my book, The Indic Quotient, which I spent four years traveling along with my uh, job, which uh, as was mentioned in the introduction, I am a corporate learning and development professional. I work in uh, um, a firm in Gurgaon and over the weekends for the last four to five years, I've been traveling the length and breadth of this country. I've gone from Uttarakhand in the north to Kerala to Tamil Nadu in the south, from Arunachal Pradesh in the east to Gujarat in the west. And what I saw was just incredible. We are reclaiming and I'm gonna to talk to you in the next 30 minutes of this reclaiming. Uh, the pictures that I'm going to show you now is, uh, you can see on the screen, uh, this is, uh, the first one is Mumbai. Uh, this is a 
yoga class in action. Now, usually when we talk about a yoga class, uh, we look at uh, a yoga in a uh, urban setting, uh, in a uh, fancy studio, or um, uh, there are some people who are building some uh, chains of st uh, yoga studios. It is happening in gyms. But what I'm going to show you now is how these entire two disparate extreme strata of society is benefiting by the work of individuals who are helping people physically, mentally, and emotionally through yoga. So we have a yoga teacher here. She's a Mumbai-based yoga teacher. She, on the day I met her, took me to two of her classes. One was at the school, a municipal school in a slum in Jogeshwari. And you can see they are underprivileged kids. The yoga teacher told me she does this uh, as volunteer work and she helps these kids with this yoga class. That particular room is on the rooftop. And these kids, they gather there after uh, uh, their uh, school hours. They are from the underprivileged community, the slums around. And she sees a lot of positive impact through the yoga classes. They are able to focus better. They have more emotional stability. And obviously, there's a lot of benefit physically for them. And then after we finished our class, we walked through those open drains uh, uh, through the slums, came onto the main road, walked across the highway, and reached a multi-story high-rise office building where she went in to take in the class for a corporate yoga class for some of the... Uh, executives of this uh, company. And you can see that these people have just hurriedly changed out of their uh, work clothes, gone into uh, 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 their cafeteria, moved the furniture aside, and they are right now in Padmasan and in uh, chanting Om or in a meditation pose. This is how yoga is being taken to across India and across the planet through committed individuals who are reclaiming something that has been a core and integral part of our heritage. Moving ahead, the next picture is what I talked about was uh, earlier is Uttarakhand, where I traveled to seek out one person who is uh, growing Ayurvedic herbs and supplying them to beauty companies in urban centers, to the factories of these beauty companies. The, that is her house there. It's a typical Pahari house with those wooden uh, doors and um, uh, wooden roof. Uh, it's an interesting journey because the founder of this beauty company had just given me the name of this village and the lady from whom he sourced 1,000 kilograms of amla for, in a particular season for his beauty range. So I went through Google Maps. maps. I drew up, uh, uh, it's, it's a 12-hour drive to Rani Khet in Uttarakhand. And then it's another an hour or so to find this hamlet, a small village. And the Google Maps told me that I had arrived at my destination. But what I saw was that there was no house. And then luckily, a passerby told me that it's actually down the valley. There's a group of houses one kilometer down the valley. And I trekked to go and meet her at her home. And what struck me was she was so casually talking about ashwagandha, muleti, all these herbs, uh, which are an integral part of the Ayurvedic 
treatment system. She was not only uh, aware of the benefits of these herbs, but she knew how valuable they were. This is something the founder, a person with a now Western education and Indian who is raised typically in an urban household, had forgotten. It came to him when he traveled to the Himalayas and met with these village people who knew about these herbs. And it struck him that this was just incredible. The Himalayas is a repository of Ayurveda herbs. And it, he wanted to do something for the environment, something about sustainability. He was passionate to build an enterprise around uh, uh, or to help and empower local communities. And it all came together with this idea of putting together some of these herbs grown casually and organically uh, in, um, in the lands around these homes for his range of beauty products. And he initially, uh, when he started in the 90s, didn't have a market in India. He actually used to supply these ingredients to the European market where it used to go in their beauty products. It was only in the past seven to eight years where this entire resurgence and the shift is happening that he started his own line of beauty products that are really popular in India and uses uh, these ingredients from the Himalayas. So another story of how uh, heritage is connecting to parts of society uh, holistically for uh, coming together for mutual purpose and mutual benefit. This is a very interesting story. This is from my travel in Assam. The temple that, uh, and you can see my picture there, I'm, uh, I'm just on the way to climb uh, to the Hayagriva Madho temple. The Hayagriva avatar is, uh, uh, is the one who is the deity in that shrine. And there is this pond in front of the temple which has tortoises. And there on the top, you can see the man who is the caretaker of the uh, pond. And he has today come to be known as the turtle man of India because this pond conserves and he is playing a primary role in conservation of a rare species of turtle, which was almost extinct in the world. His interest in this, uh, in conserving started because he was employed as a caretaker and he was taking care of the parking uh, basically around the temple. And he saw that they, over the years, a wall had been built around this pond and a lot of these turtles were not finding space to lay their eggs. The turtles climb up onto the grassy um, uh, land around the pond to lay eggs. And he found that a lot of them were not able to do that and the population was going down. He took upon himself to safeguard, to conserve the turtle species. He built a small hut where he would put and incubate the eggs in sand. And when the eggs would hatch, he would protect it from predators and then put it back into the pond. A great example of how a spiritual tradition, something that is core and integral to Hindu practice, where we say, where we revere all creatures, revere nature, is being used for a practical conservation effort. 
Sometimes science is considered to be at odds with religion. But here we can see an example of how a person, because of his spiritual leanings, because of the fact that he reversed the turtles and people cannot touch the turtles or harm the turtles, the idea just doesn't cross into the mind. For him, the fact that he can do something for the turtles is instinctive and is a core part of his belief system. An amazing story about our spiritual traditions, our cultural traditions coming together in, uh, for conservation and betterment of not just human beings, but for all creatures. This is my next uh, stop in uh, the journey today, and I'm taking you to Maheshwar. Ahilya Bai Holkar's uh, land, Maheshwar, on the banks of Narmada, a holy land. And this is also a place known for what is called the Maheshwari Saris, a tradition of handloom which has been carrying on for thousands of years. But the great rural, the ruler, the great woman ruler, Ahilya Bai Holkar, in the uh, 18th century or around that time, gave a new lease of life to this handloom tradition in order to provide the people, her subjects, a good vocation. Today, the Maheshwari Saris is being uh, not just promoted uh, in India, but has gone to the world by the effort of a company which is called GoCoop. And they are helping these weavers. And the picture there is of a fourth generation handloom weaver uh, to find a marketplace through the internet. An amazing story of enterprise, of social enterprise, where uh, ideas of uh, a person born and educated uh, in the most modern setting finds inspiration from a, a part of their tradition, their heritage, and helps the communities which are doing this for years to find a voice, to find that empowerment. Uh, it, what was most interesting for me was that heritage, especially in the textile sector, we see from the angle of economic activity, from economic empowerment. It's also, however, got several intangible benefits. It's an artistic endeavor. It's a vocation which is highly creative. And the person's grandmother, and I went to their house, to the weaver's house, uh, an old lady was sitting by the loom. And the son told me she is too old to actually make an entire sari on the hand loom. But still, every day, she sits on the loom to make a little bit of the pattern. It fulfills her. She cannot think of do, living her day without that creative outlet. This is what heritage provides. It's not just an identity, it's not just economic uh, empowerment, it is everything. It's our existence. And I'm so glad to share these stories with you today. Uh, there are stories uh, which are very um, uh, entrepreneurial, there are stories which are more social, but together they all serve the purpose. It is, uh, this one here is uh, an app, which is a Nirok Street, uh, by the name of Nirok Street. And this app is for both doctors and students and uh, also for patients to find uh, 
an Ayurvedic practitioner. The Ayurveda system, unlike our Western medicine system, has a lot of broken links, as I discovered when I met the founder of this uh, startup. The startup has been very successful, has got rounds of funding, etc. But what is most amazing is it solves the problem of an Ayurvedic doctor and a student who does not have access to the same kind of knowledge sharing that a Western medicine doctor has. And the patient app helps us connect to doctors. There is another angle to this whole venture, and that is the distribution system, which I discovered is almost uh, non-existent or very sketchy. So it's very difficult for doctors to procure medicines, what they want from the distribution network. The medicines are out of stock. Sometimes it's hard to get. And here, Nirok Street is solving that problem. When I spoke to the founder here and we discussed a lot about why uh, Ayurveda, such an amazing and powerful system, has not had something such as, as basic as that for years. Uh, probably one of the reasons that we thought uh, it was due to was the fact that there was a neglect, a feeling of, in, of inferiority something that we did not want to acknowledge Ayurveda as a system that was uh, uh, beneficial for patients in all kinds of situations. So this is where uh, I think uh, we have come a long way, where we have people who are uh, going ahead, uh, not only reclaiming their heritage, not only coming out and uh, reading, talking about it, understanding it for their own benefit, but they are also using it for, uh, from their entrepreneurial mindset for whatever that they can do with it, take it to the world, help humanity, and uh, reach out to as many people as they can with the wonderful things that they built. So this has been pretty much uh, my journey uh, through um, my book. And uh, what, I, uh, what comes to my mind when I look at this to sum up some of the things that I, ha I have experienced, uh, Swami Vivekanandaji has said that every nation has a message to deliver. It has a goal to reach or a mission to reach. And for India, this mission is to guide humanity. And when I look at all these amazing ventures, I feel how right this is. We have today, through our cultural elements, given direction to the global discourse on health, on sustainable agriculture, on environment, on textiles. And that is something we all must be very proud of. And it's uh, time to reclaim. Thank you all very much uh, for... Um, uh, hearing uh, and uh, looking at these glimpses. I am uh, uh, now happy to answer some questions if uh, you have any, uh, and we can go ahead and uh, open the floor. So just a casual chit chat maybe, Karanika. How, I mean, weekend travels, how many, um, I mean, just to travel to... Uttarakhand is like a 12-hour drive. How do you manage this? Yes, so uh, I can give you the example of Maheshwar. I uh, took the 7 a.m. flight, reached Indore at 
8 a.m., got out of the airport, uh, took the taxi to Maheshwar, reached there at 11.30, took the, and had to take the 8 o'clock flight back to Delhi from Indore. So, yes, it's been grueling, but it's all worth it. And what drives you for all of this, doing all of this? <laughs> my, uh, my purpose was, when I started this journey, was to... Um, maybe bring to the readers, to people who have, uh, who are English readers, people who are uh, in the urban setup in India, an insight into how valuable some of our traditions are, how valuable heritage is. And like I said in my slide, it is not just about some old monuments. We are a living culture. It's time to use it for the advantage, not just for us, for our families, but for humanity. Hopefully, I'll inspire some entrepreneurs. I think that, that sums it up. Hopefully, you will inspire some entrepreneurs. Kanikaji, namaste. namaste. I, uh, I have a very small question. Before I go to my question, I want to congratulate you on the presentation. It's a fantastic start to a, a Saturday. Not really start at the middle of the day. Uh, but, you know, when I go through the message, I could see that this is the experience that you have lived rather than just document it on a presentation and present it. A very fresh approach. I really loved it. My simple question is that I have young nieces, very young right now. And I can see that, yes, books are a good way, but so difficult to get them interested. Now, for a topic like this, do you have any plans to create um, a video to reach out to the younger generation, you know, very young, who are... Uh, who get very influenced very easily like with things like Peppa Pig. And you look, if you look at the content, it, it's you really don't learn anything from it rather than except for probably coordination and other things. So do you have any plans to create any uh, content for the younger generation? Maybe a video, yes. books? Yes, I have. Uh, I don't know if it's too early to talk. I have sent out a proposal to a leading publisher for a children's book around this topic. I've got my fingers crossed. I hope I hope I hear back positively from them. And it's going to be illustri illustrated version of my book, which is going to talk about this to the children in a way that makes uh, appeals to them about, uh, you know, and would have simple stories like uh, uh, why Haldi um, Dood and why is my milk yellow? and things like that. So, you know, something like that, which makes them uh, feel more comfortable uh, reading it and understanding uh, these concepts. So how do you choose your places, Kanenika? Uh, in this journey, I did a lot of research. So my starting point was uh, mostly economical because from the economics uh, standpoint, which was about uh, understanding which products, uh, heritage products were in the news and years before I started my research, which was around maybe 2014, I started looking at various trends which were being covered in mainstream media. And then I picked out some key themes and looked at various places where they were more dominant. So for example, the textile industry, I came to know that Maheshwar sarees are the highest selling sarees for an online portal called GoCorp. And uh, once I got that information, I was really intrigued to visit uh, that place and see how it works. So it has been a lot through research and reports. Uh, it has also been instinctive in some cases uh, because I wanted to uh, 
have all the dimensions. I wanted to cover startups, which are very uh, marketing oriented. I wanted to cover startups, which are very social oriented. So they don't want venture fund and all that, but they're just doing because they they want to empower the local community. So they are doing more, morely, mostly welfare uh, related uh, uh, initiatives uh, rather than being a very... Um, um, you know, uh, we want uh, this next series of funds and we want to uh, raise our valuation, etc. And then there was this another group, which was uh, mostly about people who are uh, uh, in this uh, in this for the love of what they are doing. So they are people who have made a Sanskrit uh, uh, film and uh, they have no film background, no links with the studio, but spend eight years of their life just doing this. So making a film in Sanskrit. So, you know, it's uh, it's. I, I was just intrigued and tried to bring in different diverse stories. Super. I think, uh, you know, just to add on to uh, Jasoda's question, maybe it's a good idea for you to start your own YouTube channel, just even if it's not professional and just with things with your, you know, phone as you travel. Uh, I've personally been encouraging a lot of people to try and start their YouTube channels. It's a very, very powerful medium. Can I ask you one question that, you know, as you said, you are in corporate world. Unfortunately, I too uh, work for a corporate. Uh, I'm not unfortunate that I work. It's just that, you know, it's the environment. And if you'll see the most, uh, if we talk about heritage, the one place where we don't see this, except for it is Diwali and wear the sari and uh, make some rangoli. Where do you see the future of, you know, do you see that Indian corporates, uh, you know, adopting some of these things to say that uh, let's make the policies, whether it is, you know, something as simple as food in the cafeteria, uh, you know, and or probably. Uh, uh, it's, what do you see? Do, do, uh, you, any views on that? So in, in my view, um, I see that there is a change uh, and as people try and are more confident about uh, who they are, I have seen, um, you know, the from the, po- I, I like to look at the positive side. So I've seen that uh, the Bandgala or the Modi jacket has taken a place in board meetings. And we see a lot of people, uh, uh, chief executives um, uh, for their formal attire choose uh uh, a bandgala. So I think that's a small but an important step that uh, is um, a symbol of how we are now um, thinking of uh, um, our heritage in uh, as um, uh, something at par or even better than uh, the world. So I think slowly um, for food, I think it has be it is uh, easier because we all are uh, not so delinked de- as the Western world. We still like healthy food. A lot of us believe that food is very important for our health. It's ingrained into us. So I think uh, uh, it is the marketing and the amount of money that some firms show to attract the younger crowd towards their brands that make a difference. But as we have a homegrown movement going on, I think we can counter that uh, easily. उनके बारे में अभी कुछ बचा है कि हम वैसा कुछ देख सकते हैं क्या जो बुनकर लोग थे जिनके अंग्रेजों ने अंगूठे कटवा दिए थे बेसिकली ना टेक्सटाइल इंडस्ट्री को खत्म करने के लिए 
आपका हाँ मैं समझ रही हूँ आप जिस जिस चीज के बारे में बोल रहे हैं मेरे जब महेश्वर आप जाते हैं या ऐसे आप किसी भी बुनकर कम्युनिटी के पास या जो एक समुदाय इस चीज में बहुत दिनों से काम कर रहा आप उनके यहाँ जाते हैं उनसे मिलते हैं तो आपको दो चीजें जरूर आप देख सकते हैं और आप और ये डिपेंड करता है कि आप उसको किस तरह से लें और मैं ये इसलिए कह रही हूँ क्योंकि एक चीज तो होती है कि आप उनकी एक स्थिति देख के कह सकते हैं अरे यह हमारे बुनकर को अंग्रेजों ने कितना दबाया और हमारी सारी चीजें लेके उन्होंने अपनी टेक्सटाइल इंडस्ट्री को दी और उससे वो लोगों का बहुत की बढ़ोतरी हुई और हम हमारे बुनकर बेचारे उनके जैसे आप कह रहे हैं अंगूठे काट दिए या जो भी एक दूसरी उसमें एक चीज जो सोचने लायक है वो ये है कि वो आज भी जीवित है वो बुनकर आज है वो बुनकर की पीढ़ियां आज वो काम कर रही हैं और वो इसलिए नहीं कर रही हैं सिर्फ कि उनकी ये एक परंपरा है कि उनका यही एक व्यवसाय है वो इसलिए कर रही हैं क्योंकि उनको इस चीज से प्रेम है और ये चीज आप कभी काट नहीं सकते आप किसी को जिस जिस इंसान को अपने पूर्वजों से और हम ये अपने देश में भारत में ये देखते हैं हमारी सभ्यता आज जिंदा है और ये इसलिए जिंदा है इसलिए जीवित है क्योंकि ये हमारे जीवन का अंश है ये हमारे हमारे अस्तित्व में है ये कोई अंगूठा काट के खत्म करने वाली चीज है ही नहीं तो मैंने जो देखा कि छोटी बच्चियां अपनी माँ के साथ बैठ के जो उनका हैंडलूम है जिसमें वो बुनती हैं वो देखती हैं और सीखती हैं तो उनके मन में ये नहीं आता कि इससे हम पैसे कमा सकते हैं वो इसको देखती हैं और वो कहती हैं कि इतनी सुंदर कला है ये मैं अपनी अपने जीवन में अपनाओ मुझे से खुशी मिलेगी और ये बूढ़ी आप लेडीज को देखिए आप वहां के जो पुरुष हैं उनके समाज में देखिए वो इसलिए करते हैं क्योंकि उनको इसमें वो एक आर्ट होता है ना जैसे जो आर्टिस्ट है वो पेंट करता है क्योंकि उसको खुशी मिलती है ये सिर्फ एक इकोनॉमिक एक्टिविटी नहीं है ये एक इंसान की क्रिएटिव एक्टिविटी है और अगर हम इसको इस तरह से देखें तो हमें शायद एक पॉजिटिव वे से उसको हम ले पाएंगे मैं ये नहीं कह रही कि पैसों की जरूरत नहीं है और उनकी दशा जो है बहुत अच्छी है मैं ये नहीं कह रही हूँ मैं पर मैं ये कह रही हूँ कि इस चीज को सिर्फ एक नजरिए से मत देखिए इसमें एक दूसरा आयाम है और वो शायद हम अगर उसको उस तरह से सोचे तो हम भी इंस्पायर हो सकेंगे हमारे अंदर एक ऊर्जा आ पाएगी कि हम कुछ कर सकें तो मेरे ख्याल से थोड़ा सा ये है कि हाँ बहुत चीजें अच्छी नहीं है बुनकरों के साथ आज भी वो थोड़ा स्ट्रगल कर रहे हैं उनके उनको जरूरत है कुछ सपोर्ट की और सरकार काफी कुछ कर रही है पर वो एक कलात्मक एक दृष्टि से आप उसको देखिए और उसके प्रति थोड़ा सा अपना आप जाइए अपना खादी का एक कुर्ता खरीदिए और शायद अपनी तरफ से एक कॉन्ट्रीब्यूशन करिए बुनकरों का 